Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And I'm Jay Harvey. Jay, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for being with us. Right back at you, Jim. I'm so happy to be here. You know, Christmas is such a great time of the year. It's not like any other season. There's so much life and energy and beauty, music, food. I mean, Mm. it's a great package. It is. But sometimes I feel like I'm a little stressed out by it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And 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 fruit cakes don't help. <laughs> fruit cakes don't help me either. And sometimes I guess I feel like I might not be able to meet expectations of others uh, when I show up at the Christmas dinner party or maybe the gift I purchased. And at the other end of the spectrum, I'm afraid that my own expectations are not going to be met mm. because you know I I have this dream of what it should be like that it should be so perfect and those snowflakes should be falling at just the right time on Christmas Eve and it doesn't always work that way and then I have this crushing sense of loss. Mm. That's the difficulty with Christmas time. It has so many peak highs, potentially, but so many deep valleys that can be low, potentially. And we are on viewpoint in these weeks of December, drawing life from the scripture and from a book written by a guy named Stephen Arterburn. He's our friend. He wrote it together with his friend, David Stoop. It's called Take Your Life Back. And it talks about how all of us have things we've lost, and how do we take life back so we can fully live it and experience it the way we were created to? This Christmas, it's especially timely. As you're approaching the holiday, we want to help you take your life back. Stay with us. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, cannot hold him earth cannot sustain him the Lord Jesus Christ King of all creation God of every nation the Lord of all light our God heaven cannot hold him nor earth sustain
Stephen Arterburn's new book, Take Your Life Back, which he wrote with David Stoop, uh, is actually framed by a famous story in the New Testament called the parable of the prodigal son. That's not a title Jesus gave to his story. It's just one we've assigned to it because it talks about a young man who demands from his father his estate. He wants to walk away from home, leave the cocoon of his upbringing. From all intents and purposes, we can see that it was a healthy house, but he didn't want any part of it. He wants to explore. He wants to taste the world, take his money and run. He does, runs away, squanders it all. We're told he squanders it in wild living with prostitutes and all kinds of things that can't bring him life. Then he runs out of cash. There's a famine. He's starving. He's eating food that's fed to pigs, and he comes to his senses, and he says, you know, this is crazy. I should go home. Even if I became a servant, a hired hand on my father's ranch, I'd be doing better than this. So in this epiphany, he decides to climb out of his hole, and he goes back home. And as he gets home, he's filled with shame. He's clothed by guilt. But his dad, who represents our Father in heaven, welcomes him home and embraces him and calls to the other servants, hey, my son's home, let's have a party, get the fattened calf. You know, it's, it, we're going out for some filet mignon. We're having the very best meal we can imagine. And there's so much celebration. And this is the story of this young man's restoration at home. He's actually come back home to his father and taken his life back, no longer governed by his own wretched will or his own shame and guilt. Oh, but there's another character in the story, Jay. Mm -hmm. And let's have you read that part of the story straight out of the scripture. It's Luke chapter 15, beginning with what verse? Let me start with 25, because there is an older brother that has stayed at home and worked with his father while his younger brother took off. So the scripture starts this way. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28 says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Ouch. I mean, the older brother has got some real stuff going on. He does not want to celebrate his younger brother's coming home. And while we sometimes look at the story as that of the prodigal son, it could be called the story of the older brother because there's a lot to wrestle with here. 
why is he like that? What's his problem? Why can't he just celebrate that his brother turned the corner and came back and found himself back home? I mean, what's going on with it? My guess is, no, my certainty is the older brother, just like the younger one, has some wounds, mm-hmm. has some pain, some hurt. We're not sure what it is. We're not privy to that in the story, but clearly he's got some broken places and he's acting out of that brokenness. His own woundedness Maybe it's a sense of loss. Maybe he feels like his younger brother always was favored. He was the favorite, the spoiled child. He's the one who got to have the birthday party when he wanted it, and I didn't get to have mine. Or We don't know what all the backstory is. Maybe he's just resentful because he has to work hard, and he doesn't feel like this boy works for himself. And, and why do I have to work? Just because I was born first. You know, life is against me. He's the victim. And in that victimization, he's wounded, and that woundedness comes out in this very sour and bitter attitude. He needs to take his life back too, just like the younger boy did. So does the older one. He has to take his life back. He has to come to terms with his father. And all of us have some pain in our lives. And at Christmas, it's especially evident because somebody in our family didn't treat us right, or we felt like we were ignored, or maybe we were pushed around, or we didn't get the gift we hoped for, or we failed ourselves because we didn't get the right gift for whoever was important to us. I mean, there's a hundred and a thousand ways our own pain and bruising comes to the surface at holiday time. When we come back, Jay, let's talk about how can we take our life back and what's going on with our pain that's robbing us of our lives so that we can actually be proactive and take it back. All of us, no matter how healthy our family of origin, have experienced some bruising wounds over a lifetime. Even as children, we cannot escape the reality that this is a broken world. So there's a bully on the playground, or there's someone in the class who's getting a better grade than you, even though you're working as hard as you can, and they just seem naturally gifted and zoom ahead of you, and you're left in the dust. Or maybe at home, you have some family members who are unkind, or maybe you end up going away to college, and there's somebody steals stuff out of your dorm room, or they make fun of you in the dining hall. Or, I mean, there's just so many ways that life can bruise us. It's true for everyone. No one escapes it. And when we have that kind of pain, if we are not intentional about surrendering it to God, acknowledging it and surrendering it to our Maker and allowing Him to heal us, then it will surface in negative ways. Negative energy will come out. That's the story of the older brother in the Bible passage we just read. He has some wounds, he has some hurt, and it's coming out very negatively. He can't rejoice with his dad, with his brother. Jay, have you ever had anything in your life where you could say, you know, I was really kind of bummed out by that. I was bruised. And then how did that come out negatively? How does that translate in your conduct? Yeah, and I think you make the great point that uh, even though I had a great childhood and great parents, there was there are things that happen in our in our sinful nature. We are broken, and so they come out. And for me personally, it, it was a sense of uh, not being able to live up to uh, expectations, but then those expectations weren't really made clear. And so you end up kind of being taken for granted. And, and the things that you're supposed to do are supposed to be done no matter what, and your voice isn't heard. And so you begin to 
to do it for the wrong reason. You begin to try to please people for the wrong reason. And, and myself personally, I developed, and probably God gifted me with some sense of humor, but my humor became a defense. And then that led to uh, a denial of, of feelings that I truly was feeling. And so I minimized it. And that's something that uh, the book talks about. Uh, so through minimization and humor, you find yourself at a certain point not really knowing who you are. But one thing is for sure, you don't like who you are, and nobody around you <laughs> at times like, likes who you are. And in these ways, you lose control of your life. You're, you're not in the driver's seat. You're not actually experiencing things right. that might bring you fulfillment or a sense of peace or contentment because you're so reactive. Reactive, right. The, the, the pain has conditioned you, and it's not just you, Jay, it's me too, it's all of us, has conditioned us to react to things. And you've just given some great illustrations of what we don't think about, but we actually do. We minimize. Well, it's really no big deal. When deep down inside, <laughs> my heart is screaming. Right. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Right. Or, or maybe we deny. It's not even that I'm minimizing it. I don't have any trouble at all. You pretend. Oh, yes. that's so exhausting when you pretend. You don't have any time for real life when you're an actor on a stage all the time. Right. Uh, sometimes we adhere. Uh, that's mm. what uh, Stephen Arterburn suggests in his book, Take Your Life Back. Adhere means you, you latch on to somebody else just because they'll have you, because you don't feel like you're worthy or you're good enough. Or you're not even sure who you are, but somebody's paying attention to you, so you kind of stick to them, but that becomes overbearing, and they, right. don't, they go tired of that, and the relationship can't be healthy. Sometimes we deceive. Mm -hmm. we, just, we literally create a counter-narrative that is not true at all. Right. And, and Jim, I, I think all of that is, is reactive and what works in the moment, and, and that leads to uh, what you've you've shared, and that is we just lose our identity because of this woundedness, and we don't know who we are, and we have to make a decision to take our life back. So how do we do that? What is that first step like? Well, one thing some people do is try and take control of the world around them in unhealthy ways, and that, that's really an attempt to take my life back is by I'm going to control others, mm. or I'll try and control things in my life. An eating disorder is a control mechanism right. for a deep wound, but it's very unhealthy. So I can say this, if you want to take your life back and you realize you're acting out or reacting in ways that are not healthy or fulfilling because of some pain or hurt, don't try and take control and just prove that you just have the strength to do something. That's not the that answer. That never works. That never works. But I think there is a way uh, Jay, and when we come back, let's pull out of the scripture again an illustration of what can happen when somebody actually faces the truth about their own suffering and gains hope by making a decision. For me, one of the most arresting passages in the New Testament is found in John chapter 5. It's about a man who has suffered long and has lost all hope. This is how the scripture reads. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days, and inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches, and one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, 
Would you like to get well? I cannot, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, the backstory to this passage is that people believe that when the water bubbled up, sometimes in some texts it'll say that an angel stirred the water, that the first one to get wet was the one who got the healing. So this man's lying by the pool, he's paralyzed, the water bubbles up, and he can't get there first. Somebody else always does, and they get the healing power. That's his frame of reference. And Jesus is asking him, do you want to get well? That's the question. And the question is so important for us as we are thinking about taking our lives back with our woundedness, our sadness, our loss of control in this broken world. Do we really want to have things different? One of the things that strikes me, Jay, in this narrative is that the man by the pool has lost all hope. He's come to accept the way things are. And not only is he hopeless because he's paralyzed, and wow, I I get it. Mm -hmm. If you're paralyzed for 38 years, you'd probably give up hope that anything could be different. But in the story, it's not just that he's paralyzed. He's close to being healed. He's close to a remedy, but he's just given up the hope of even crawling over there or just getting to it. I mean, someone else is always going to get ahead of me. And so his life is reduced. He's accepted a half-life when the very giver of life is standing in front of him saying, do you want to get well? Mm. And that's a question for all of us this Christmas. You have some pain, you have some hurt, you have some loss. You're experiencing it in an attitude that's sour or bitter. You're angry at your brother or your sister because they haven't called you and you felt like they should have. You're angry at your boss because he didn't give you a bonus like he did someone else. You're, you're angry with your parents because they didn't invite you over or when they did, they didn't serve the food you wanted or you don't feel like you should even be invited because you don't deserve it because of the way you lashed out at the person at the store. (laughs) All of us have stuff like this in our heads, and we need to take our life back. But do you really want it back? Do you really want to take it back? What do we do? How do we we take it back? This story, just like in the first story we read in this broadcast, is about Jesus. It's about God the Father. It's about the Word become flesh. The first step is to look into the face of Jesus. You have to see life through the lens of his gaze. You're not going to figure it out on your own. Just allow yourself to know Jesus came into this world at Christmas. His living spirit, the resurrected Christ, is still here among us. He is close by. Make a decision. You're going to believe that. And then hear him say to you, do you want to get well? Do you want your life back? Then, when he asks the question, as he is to you right now, don't say, I'm hopeless, I can't. Say, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm there. You tell me what to do. And if you're willing and you're open and willing to give it a try, you can find your life. You know, Jim, there's something in this story that I, I just keep picking up on, and that is, yes, he was at a point of hopelessness, but the one thing that he had down pat were the reasons why he couldn't be made well. And I believe it's so, it's so right what you said. We, we get so close sometimes, but we're not willing to make that final turn to which you have stated is the most important one, and that is to, to look into the face of Christ because He is the answer. He is grace and truth. 
that sometimes is very difficult for us to do because we have all of those things in our head and they might be shame. Maybe we don't deserve to turn and look into the eyes of Christ, but, but that is why he came. That is why he's asking us, do you want to get well? And, and I think that is the hardest thing for some to do. We, we are easily memorizing our excuses why or the same old outcome. But if you just stop long enough and look into his eyes and answer his question, the reply will be the same. He will meet you at your point of need. And that's when true freedom starts and true healing begins. And what he'll ask you to do will likely be a stretch. Yes. Get up and walk. Well, right. I can't do that. No, you have to try. Yes. He may say, call up your brother who didn't call you. Exactly. Or he may say, go take your parents a pumpkin pie that you wanted, or things that are going to be hard for you, but you have to decide, do you want to keep living this way? Or do you want to take your life back? Because Jesus is all about life. He came to give life. Mm. And this Christmas, you can find that life. You can take a step in that direction with us right now by joining us in prayer. Take a deep breath and know God is listening. Our Father, we're so thankful that you have breathed life into us once. And we pray that you'll breathe life into us a second time and cause us to be born again fresh and new. We acknowledge, Lord, that we all have hurts and pains and bruises and things that have conditioned us to be sometimes less than our best, just like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. And we also acknowledge, Lord, sometimes we're just hopeless. We don't know what to do because we have suffered so long, we've given up any hope of finding a better life. But Father, we also acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come into this world, and at Christmas we celebrate his coming, and we are thankful that he's still here. And I pray, Lord, that he will now hold us close and breathe words of encouragement into every heart that prays with us and help us not to be afraid, Lord, to try what he might impress upon us to do that we might take our lives back and surrender ourselves into his hands. I pray that this Christmas, Lord, we will take something back that has been lost to us because of our own pain or woundedness and that we'll be able to stand up tall because Jesus Christ stands by us. We admit, Lord, we need him, and we can't do it without him. Bring him close to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you'd like to know more about how you can be in touch with this Jesus of Christmas, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone, not a robot, not an automated answering service, no, a real life person on our team waiting to hear from you. Jay, if they don't want to call but would prefer to still reach out online, where would they go? easily enough, they can go to cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope Viewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter using the post office. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or Use Surface Mail. Please let us hear from you this week. Jay, thanks so much for being with us. It's been great being here, Jim. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. And a Merry Christmas to all who've tuned in this week. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.